HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by the International Culinary Center, offering courses that range from classic French techniques in culinary, pastry, and bread baking to Italian studies to management, from culinary technology to food writing, from cake making to wine tasting. For more information, visit culinarycenter.com. I'm Dave Arnold, host of Cooking Issues. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. It's Monday afternoon at 1 p.m., and that means I'm in Bushwick, Brooklyn, at Roberta's Pizza, doing Tech Bites on the HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Tech Bites is a show where we talk about the intersection of food and technology. I think it's a lot of fun, and if you think it's a lot of fun, listen in every week. Go to iTunes, download the podcast, go to Stitcher Radio, subscribe to it. And if you really, really think it's a lot of fun, then think about donating to the heritageradionetwork.org. It's a great organization, and you get a pizza tote bag. The first thing I like to do on Tech Bytes is to introduce everyone in the studio so you can match the names to the voices. The most important person here is Jack Inslee, who's the engineer who turns me talking in a shipping container into a webcast radio. He's also the executive producer of Heritage Radio and the host of a really fun DJ dance party called Full Service Radio on Thursday nights at 7.30. Hi, Jack. How's it going? I'm, I'm going pretty good. I saw, you, I, th- I saw you sent the intern out on an errand. He, yeah, a, you know, a lunch run. <laughs> lunch run. <laughs> lunch run on the day when we have a first on Tech Bites, we have food in the studio, yeah, which is knew? exciting. Who knew? That's okay. <laughs> also in studio today, we have our guests. They are the founders of an app called Savory which is food made to order and delivered. First up, we have Dhruv Singh. Hey there. Jose Fuentes. Hello. And Andrew Clock. Howdy. So the first thing we do on Tech Bites, we start off like any good meal with an appetizer, and that is where everybody talks about their favorite app right now. So you have a few minutes to think about what you're going to say. The app I'm going to call out today is called Dark Sky, and this app I don't actually use. It was sent to me via email from a Tech Bytes listener, also named Jennifer, but not me. 
And she sent it in because she had listened to the episode where Jack was looking for a cool, good weather app. So Dark Sky uses the phone's GPS to precisely forecast your weather down to the minute. And it's a very well-designed, elegant interface. So it will pinpoint exactly where you're standing and tell you it's going to start raining in 13 minutes. So if you're thinking about going on the lunch run or walking the dog, you can schedule accordingly. Um, they call it hyper-local forecasting. Um, it looks pretty cool. It is $3.99. So I don't know, Jack, if you were looking for a fancy expensive weather app or a free weather app, but something to consider. I'll check it out. <laughs> What's your app today? Mine's kind of weird. Um, it's called SleepBot. Okay. So what it does is it tracks your sleeping patterns. So you basically hit, you know, you press start sleep when you lay down and go to sleep. Strangely enough, I don't know if this is creepy or cool depending on who you are, but it, it will track your movements and sounds in the middle of the night. So if, say, you wake up a few times in the middle of the night, you'll see those spikes um, if your sleeping is interrupted. And uh, I, I've just started it, but you know the idea here, I think, is if you, you stay on it, you can kind of see what your 30-day sleep cycle and pattern is like, how you might be able to improve it. Um, so really interesting. I'm excited to see what comes of using it. Do you have questionable sleep patterns? Or are you concerned about your sleep pattern that you're doing some research into it? Um, yeah, always. You know, um, you know, you wonder if sometimes you wake up tired. You're like, I wonder if my sleep was interrupted at all last night. It's hard to tell. So this is this will kind of maybe give me some insight into that. Well, let us know how it works after 30 days. Yeah, exactly. I will tell you also, though, I don't know if you recall, I called out the Uniglow alarm clock app where it wakes you up every day with a song and the song changes based on what the weather's like. It's really fun, but that also records your sleep time. So you set the alarm when you go to sleep and then when you wake up, you turn it off. It tracks how much you've been sleeping and gives you an average. And also you can look back at how much you're sleeping. So it doesn't do the quality or the patterns of your sleep while it's happening, but you can aggregate how much sleep you're getting. Cool. Yeah. And it's this really nice, um, Japanese woman's voice speaking English that the first thing is, good morning. (laughs) It's pretty great. I like it. So let's go down the line here. Drew, what's your favorite app? So this is is a little bit of a a, a shout out to Jose as well, actually. Um, But I very recently started using Duolingo, which was uh, Jose's, uh, he's one of the founders there prior to, to our venture together. And I am learning Spanish faster. And I, and I love languages. I've always been interested in them, but I've always been horrible at actually becoming a natural speaker in another language. Um, but I, I feel like I'm learning faster than I ever have before. And if that's not true, at least I'm having fun <laughs> while doing it. <laughs> well, that's the important part. Yeah. So it's uh, Duolingo. Duolingo. Yeah. D-U-O-L-I-N-G-O. It's important that you spelled that because that is not how I would have spelled that. (laughs) (laughs) And Jose, so this is your other startup company? Yes. Are you a serial startup guy? Uh, I guess you can say that, yeah. yeah. I I enjoy the process of going from from idea to execution. Okay. And uh, and, building, building stuff that people love. Okay, fair enough. What's your app? And you cannot say any apps that you own or are creating. Of course, of course. So I would say the safe one would be Accompli, which is now a Microsoft Outlook. It's uh, it's uh, an email app that has calendar and just it, it's a get a lot of email. 
so just being able to spend less time on email and actually doing work is fantastic. So that would be uh, my application. Actually, if I can do a second one, I would say Line, uh, L-I-N-E, which is a messaging app, uh, which is big in, uh, I believe, Japan and Korea. Uh, and my wife is from Korea, so uh, she was the one who introduced me to this application. And it's just, I guess it's like WhatsApp or, um, or Facebook message, but just crazier. Uh, in the sense of all the things that you can do, whether it's buy tickets or listen to music and send stickers, and they have like a whole sticker uh, market. So it's, uh, it's messaging on, on steroids. Stickers are an important part of communication and cultural life in Asia. Oh, yes. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> when I was little, I had a sticker album and sticker collections from the Hakabundo bookstore. That's Japanese. And lastly, Andrew? Um Mine's also an app. I guess it's a game. <clears throat> I don't know if anyone's a House of Cards fans, but the game Monument Valley. Um, <clears throat> Frank Underwood on House of Cards was obsessed with playing this game. And uh, as soon as I saw the episode, I downloaded it like a few hundred thousand other people. Um, it's basically just this whole kind of very Escher-ish um, game where this girl just travels around trying to figure out puzzles and trying to get through different worlds in the game and it's it's kind of become my new obsession <laughs> it's taken over from backgammon <laughs> escher ish is that mc escher the <clears throat> illustrator and designer yeah the the, the ways sort that of mathematic the... mathematical patterns and... exactly very uh um it's, it's a tricky game i gotta say it's um as, as an adult i'm embarrassed to say how many hours i sit on this game but uh yeah the, the way that the um the worlds are designed are very very asterisk, and there's a lot of figuring out different methods to get through to to uh, get to each each level of the game. So. I'd be curious to know how the app wound up in the show, if that was product placement or natural or if somebody used it or liked it, because that's a great marketing tool to yeah, put your yeah. app into a TV show or a movie. Especially kind of a cult classic show, you mm -hmm. know, like, uh, like House of Cards. We'll have to yeah. look into that for future episodes. Yeah, so excellent. Out. Excellent all around, gentlemen. <laughs> So today we have, as I said, a first in that we have guests who brought food, which is fantastic because we have usually people who bring technology, which is cool but not so tasty. Um, food delivery is a really big trend right now, and we've had a few different guests who have food delivery businesses, and e-commerce is the joining factor, I think, utilizing the digital platform with apps and web and mobile to make the transactions and then get the food to you. Most of the delivery services like Caviar and Instacart are creating opportunities for delivery from places that do not have delivery services. So restaurants and stores where you would not be able to get delivery, they have people who shop or go pick it up, they do the transaction for you, and so that's a great opportunity. The thing that piqued my interest about savory is they're a little bit of a different model in that they are actually making your food themselves as well. So they have a 9,000 square foot production kitchen in Midtown Manhattan, and they make everything to order. So on the surface, it sounds uh, to me a lot like room service, but for your apartment. <laughs> when you check into a hotel, you can pick up the phone and call room service and say, I'd like some sandwiches and fruit and, you know, some candy and how long will that take? And they say 45 minutes. <laughs> so I would love to hear what the aha moment was for coming up with this. And is that, is that a good analogy that it's room service for your apartment? No, I, I think it's a 
fantastic analogy. Um, you know, we're still in the process of, you know, it, it, it's like a it's a, a philosophical question. We're like, you know, who are we and what are we and how do we describe what we are is very much we're still in the throes of it. And I think what, what we really focused on at Savory is it's really about the product. And while it's tough for us to distill, you know, the crispest articulation of, you know, what this is because it hasn't existed before, I think – um, room service is a great analog, and you know the, the aha moment for us was just ordering in time and time again, and you know either the some dishes are soggy and they don't taste great, or um, the food arrives late, or you know I I don't like tomatoes on my burger, but two out of ten times there are tomatoes on my burger. I'm you know so puzzled by why is there this just confluence of issues, and I felt like seventy percent of the time I placed an order, I, I was left less than satisfied. And uh, in what we've come together at Savory, um, as the control freaks we are, um, is by doing everything ourselves. Everything's fully vertically integrated. Uh, every dish is designed specifically for delivery. We have our own custom packaging. We obviously have this you know, new application, which we just launched on the App Store. Uh, you can just search for Savory. Um, you, know, you piece this all together, and as opposed to um, dealing with the sum of multiple parts which were never designed to be integrated together it's it's a fully integrated just experience which is designed and curated um from dish to delivery uh, by us that's an interesting observation the piece where you said multiple pieces that were never designed to be integrated together which is in some ways what a lot of these different services are doing Start to finish, though, that's a lot, a lot of different kinds of things. And, you know, uh, Jose is product and technology, and then Andrew is the air quote hospitality guru. And I mean, that sort of probably spans. <laughs> where, where did you start if, in the... If, if I may just tell a little vignette, uh, it, it was our third month uh, of existence that someone asked me, you know, who's our team? And I used this line, hospitality guru. With never forgiven him for that. <laughs> and the, literally that day, I, you know, I hung up the phone and he said, if you ever call me that again, I swear to God, Drew. And what's hilarious about it is that I'm not sure how it really took on a life of its own. I got printed in one place, but I think Andrew's been called that now 15 to 20 times publicly in, in, in various capacities and hates it every single time. I think you need tote bags <laughs> and T-shirts. You need a baseball cap that says Hospitality Guru. Page the whole thing. I think you need an app, Hospitality Guru. Yeah, I, I knew as soon as he said it. We, he was on the phone and I was in the <laughs> office next to him. And as soon as he said it, I'm like, that's going to stick. I knew that was going to stick. And sure enough, three and a half years later, here we are. You could even start an employee inspiration program where somebody gets to be the hospitality guru of the month if they did something amazing. It's definitely going on my gravestone. Though, they could sure. get the tote bag and the, wear the baseball cap for the month. I think I should go for a sponsorship from somebody, I'm sure. There you go. Maybe that, maybe that bilingual app thing will sponsor you. There we go. <laughs> so where did you start in the process? Which pieces did you build first? Because it's, it's a big stretch going from building technology and e-commerce to making an amazing hamburger and getting it to somebody's apartment in 45 minutes. Where do you start? Uh, the whole the concept started you know, quite a while ago. I mean, Drew and I, as he said, we were both a bit disappointed with the delivery that we were getting all the time. Um, 
you know, trying to fit all these pieces together, the, the production of it, the real estate portion, the delivery of it, the branding of it, um, has been just a work in progress. As, as Drew likes to say, it's, there's, there was no silver bullet that we, that we found or figured out. It was thousands of little lead bullets. Um, and then when Jose joined um, last year, that was really the kind of tech piece that we, you know, we're still we're still lacking a bit. So we we had the operations piece of it down, and the production of the food, and great chefs, and people were really impressed with the food. But bringing in the technology piece of it um, was was kind of the final piece of the puzzle that, that Jose brought to the to the table. And Jennifer, I think you, you hit it spot on, which is. There are so many components, how the food's designed, so menu creation, selecting the dishes that can be, you know, thoughtfully engineered for delivery, and then actually engineering them and taking, you know, <clears throat> as an example, using panko breadcrumbs, uh, you know, larger Japanese breadcrumb to ensure that, you know, our, our breaded items hold their crisp longer. Um, and then, you know, so then you engineer the dishes, and then after that we designed all of our, you know, much of our packaging is custom. Um, so we went through the process of designing that. Um, we built a kitchen facility and engineered the flow and designed processes for packaging. So we have a less than 2% error rate. Um, we've designed an application. We run a logistics team. You put all this together and, you know, we have our, our employee count is in three figures now. And, you know, it's something where you say, where do you start? And I think part of the challenge we're finding, going back to your original question, how do you even describe this thing is, it is all of these things that make savory. And I think what what we hope and what we believe is um, that so long as we keep our commitment and focus on product and giving people and delivering, pun intended, an exceptional experience 99, 99.5 out of 100 times, uh, people will start to notice and it'll be special. And whether we can describe it or not in one line, I think what will end up happening is people will say, holy crap, this is just great food and it's really convenient. I think that that's all we really want to do for people is give them access to great meals really easily. Um, they can trust that are made with great ingredients and taste good. And, you know, all of that legwork we do, that's for us to do. No one else has to know about it. No one else has to worry about it. Everyone else should just get to eat good food wherever they are. Well, we're going to eat good food right here where we are <laughs> while we take a station break and find out who the sponsors are and listen to some cool new tunes from Jack. Culinary Center is a proud sponsor of the HeritageRadioNetwork.org. The ICC, with locations in New York and California, provide cutting-edge education to future chefs, restaurateurs, and wine professionals. 
We're proud to claim Dan Barber, Bobby Flay, and David Chang among our honored alumni. This is Dorothy Can Hamilton from Chef Story. Check out our ICC website at internationalculinarycenter.com. Well, if you've just tuned in and you're wondering what the hell you clicked on, this is Tech Bytes on the Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from two shipping containers in Roberta's Pizza in Brooklyn. Tech Bytes looks at the influence of technology on our culinary life, and today we're talking about Savory, a brand new app in the iTunes store that essentially um, lets you order whatever food you want to be delivered to your apartment or office in 45 minutes. So we're sitting here with three of the founders, head honchos, and the hospitality guru, <laughs> learning a little bit about how they do it. One thing that struck me when we were talking about the process of R&D, research and development, what kind of food works best, travels best, and the packaging, it made me think about all the research they do in the airline food business. That's really an arena where they spend a lot of time, maybe not successfully, talking <laughs> about what food travels best, how you're going to reheat it or eat it and package it in the containers. And, you know, they're constantly trying to invent a better, a better product and a better way to deliver it. So share with us some of the trial and error and success and failures of your R&D process because restaurants don't R&D for delivery. Yeah, I mean, that was that was a lot of the challenge and it always has been for our chefs and for us, um, you know, from the very beginning. Um, you know, it's a very different mindset than than going from the kitchen to the dining room when you now are going from our kitchen to, to your dining room. Um, and we did, you know, we, we failed definitely a lot. A lot of it was funny. Even, you know, chefs always make a soup and put this really gorgeous garnish on the top and, you know, little fresh herbs and... And then I'm like, shake it up in there. You know, that's how it's going to look when it gets to your door. So, <laughs> you know, that's uh, it was definitely a challenge. And, and everything from the packaging, you know, we, we worked with a packaging um, company uh, in Jersey originally and, you know, had a, a special metallic um, cardboard put in that actually reflects the heat back onto the food. Um, you know, and then everything, as, as Drew mentioned, um, you know, deliveries, even in good restaurants, delivery is kind of the redheaded stepchild of, you know, the restaurant world. So we were entirely focused on the delivery and not on the dining room. So from, from the panko breadcrumbs to cooking a steak differently because of carryover cooking to, to the packaging that's designed and when it sits on a bike for 30 minutes and we ride a new dish around the city for 30 minutes just to see what's going to happen to it, um, really do... Uh, a lot of R&D for every dish that, that eventually goes on the menu. So you have a bike test for all we the do. new products. You package it up, you put it in the containers, and then someone rides around with it? Exactly. Is that one of your delivery people, one of you guys? Do you have a special R&D <laughs> bike rider? You use a city bike? Uh, it's one of our delivery guys. Um, yeah, I mean, this, the streets of New York aren't very forgiving, so we really got to see once it, once it gets beat up a little bit in the package, how's it going to turn out? Because, you know, keeping the integrity of the product is, is important to us. I love that. Do you have other sort of obstacle course tests? You have the shake test. You have the bike test. Is there a subway test or well, crowded it, elevator walk it, up fifteen foot? You know, five flight walk up test. Throw off the balcony test. <laughs> we actually, we, we you know what we started doing in the summer was we'd actually just take it and after it, it you know goes around, we'd throw it inside uh, our walk-in 
refrigerator as well. She's got to be able to make it you know, or throw it in the freezer even better, especially with, with this last winter. <laughs> you know, you got to get well below 32 uh, to make sure it's able to retain heat as well. That's amazing. And that's something that you wouldn't think that an e-commerce tech platform would have to go through. So tell us about the tech side. Well, you know, the, the tech side, in a sense, it's, I would say, the, the big one of the big changes here is that when you think about a needing space, um, you have to make two big choices in my mind. One is where you're located, and the second thing is the theme that you're going for, right? Because once you have a physical space, your customers are going to come into the physical space, and they're going to experience you. And they're going to eat your food, and they're going to go home, and that's it. That's the feedback loop they get. Uh, with us, it's completely different because we're actually going to you. Uh, and because we have an application where we actually understand better who you are, where you live, what you like, what you don't like, then we can actually design the food specifically the way you like the food. Uh, because that's a completely different paradigm. Uh, because in a sense, the, the way I think about this is, you know, before you had your garden, and the garden was really a place where you would grow food and you would actually eat from that food. Uh, we sort of like visualized the, uh, the kitchen sort of going in that same direction, where now, you know, the kitchen is the place that you utilize, you know, maybe once, twice a month. But for the rest of the months, what you're eating is eating food from savory because basically we're cooking the food. We're not making, you know, just the chicken. We're making, you know, Andrew's chicken and we're making like Drib's burger because we can really get to understand who are you because of all the data that we actually collect. Um, so in a sense, we're redefining how the relationship between the kitchen and the customer happens, uh, which before, I guess it could happen, but it was just the, the tools were in there. Uh, and that's really from the technolo technology perspective, that's really what we've been focusing on and truly understand our customer. Uh, so we deliver both a high quality product in terms of the food, but also that the experience of ordering is a simple experience. How are you collecting data? Is it when people fill out profiles? Is it based on order history? Are you connecting them to other social media platforms where you can trawl data All of there? the above. All, All of, of the, the above. above. Yep. Uh, so, you know, of course, this is all about privacy and it's all about, you know, people are the ones who determine what they want to give us. Uh, but, of course, with the promise that, you know, ultimately we live and die by the first bite, right? The, the reality is that here we succeed technologically speaking if the technology disappears because it's all about that first bite into the burger that be like, wow, like this is the burger made for me. Uh, and that's what we achieve every single time. Um, so, of course, if you give us access to more information, then we can utilize those data points to actually make that burger more tailored to specifically what you like. Uh, if that's not your thing, then you, know, you can still have a fantastic burger. The hospitality industry has been trying to and still tries to every day to acquire as much information as they can about their customer to provide a better service. So in the olden days, when you had a reservation book and a pencil, People would make little notes, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, it's Mrs. Smith's birthday or it's their anniversary. They only like red wine and they would capture notes. And I think things like Open Table have tried to turn that into something that's digital. And then this is the, the next step, I would presume. Yeah, it's part of it. I mean, what I would say is that not to go in the crazy direction that's all about learning everything and fundamentally not letting you or not actually not letting us have a point of view. And I think that's important. There has to be a tension between... We understand what you like, but at the same time, we also want to have a point of view as to what we believe you should be looking for. You know, because ultimately, I'm all about don't ever end up creating food that's just average because no one really likes to eat average food. We all like to eat stuff that tailors to our taste, but at the same time really pushes us. Um, so that's why I think we're going for a combination of data, but at the same time, we also have a point of view as to, you know, this is the way we should be cooking the burger or this is the way that pasta should be done. One of the reoccurring topics on this show 
is about how people experience the world through social media and through websites and through e-commerce. The Amazons and the Netflix of the world are really trying to get as much information about your habits and what you like so that they can funnel you through choices that they think you would like, ultimately, so you'll buy something or watch a movie or download. And on the one hand, consumers are so used to having the world be more and more exactly what they want and when they want it, which is wonderful from one point of view. We can all be spoiled and have instant gratification, and that's wonderful for a service like yours. But on the flip side of that, what we lose a little bit, I think, is the spontaneous discovery. You know, being walking into a bookstore and, you know, seeing books piled on a rack or what is, you know, that's a cool-looking cover or what's that person reading or the same thing of going into a grocery store or restaurant and you see something or you smell something and you might have never ordered it, but the surprise and discovery, you know, takes you down a path that your habits would not have led you. So, you know, it's, it's I think, to your, to your point about tension, there is that tension also where you want to give people what they want, but I think we still need room for, you know, surprise and discovery and... I mean, I, I wouldn't say just room. Like, that's, like, the whole point of food, ultimately, is, is to enjoy, right? Uh, Theoretically, you know. yeah. Most people. <laughs> Everybody in this booth, definitely. And probably yeah. most people on the Roberta's compound, for sure. <laughs> so we are um, just about out of time. But one thing that I like to do at the end of every show is I like to ask our guests for a little piece of advice for our listeners to use at home. So I would put out to you, you know, while ordering savory every day, three meals a day is probably something wonderful, but a luxury most of us probably wouldn't be able to afford. If I pack my lunch or I'm going to pack food to go on a trip or something like that, what would be your recommendations for things that travel well, how to pack a good lunch. Hmm. Anybody? Hospitality guy? Guru? <laughs> um, I'd say keep it room temperature. <laughs> um, how to pack a good lunch. I mean, I, I, I would call savory really is what I do besides <laughs> packing a good lunch. Um, I mean, well, one thing which, which comes to my mind is, um, you know, to Andrew's point, uh, you know, the temperature in which you pack things has a huge impact on their ability to last. So as an example, um, you're, you know, if, if you're, let's say you want to have some chicken tenders or something that's crispy, you certainly want to make sure uh, that you let it come down to room temperature before you pack it. Because the second you seal it, all that moisture is it, going to take away your crisp right off the bat. Um, the, the second thing which you want to be careful of um, in addition to thinking about the, the temperature in which you're packing it, but also just you know keeping the, the crispy crisp on the side and actually compartmentalizing. These are both things we do. If you order a burger, um, you know our burger on uh, this special package where the hot's on one side, coals on the other. Um, or with our you know French fries, uh, we don't pull them straight out of the fire and then put them in 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 the packaging. Um, we also have, have selected. We had a large french fry taste test actually find the french fry travels the best but um <laughs> that really is a critical issue about delivery which is the soggy fry mm -hmm. and that's not to say that our fries you know are are impenetrable to the sog like that's that's not realistic but um what we've done is we do the best we can uh because you still want the food to be warm and but on the warm versus hot and you know 
soggy versus crispy trade-off, there is some balance that you try to achieve. So, um, I guess those are I, I'm imagining the delivery food matrix that's probably on the wall in your <laughs> office, right? You have the x-axis, which is crispy, and the y-axis, which is hot, and exactly. you know, one side is soggy, one side is cold. Where did these land? Where, where, where do you want to be? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, I want to thank you all for coming out to Brooklyn to spend some time talking with us today on Tech Bytes. These are the guys from Savory. If it sounded good, check out the app and order it. If you like the show, go to heritageradionetwork.org and think about becoming a member. If you have an app that you like, send us an email, tweet us, Instagram us. We're at techbyteshrn. And that is the show. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.